Northwestern Michigan College Driveways. From the Mobile Studio at Northwestern Michigan College and the Department of Extended Educational Services, you're listening to NMC Driveways. Hi, John Plow here. We are in for a treat today as I visit with the 2014 U.S. Southeast Region Pastry Chef of the Year, Les Eckert director of the Great Lakes Culinary Institute. We'll cover coffee, cookies, barbecue, you know, the important stuff. We're really glad you're listening. Let's jump on 37 and head south. Les Eckert, thank you so much for being on the show, and thank you for inviting me into your driveway of your beautiful new home. Thank you. You're very welcome. Describe what we're looking at out the windows, because it is beautiful. Open fields of this golden grass with a lot of green where the grass has been mowed short and tree lines off in the way distance. And then sporadic scrub pines here and there. And a few buildings way out in the distance, but just open, quiet. Is that the appeal, the quiet? Yes, it was interesting. When I first started at NMC and I was meeting my advisory board at a meet and greet, one of my advisory board members said to me, well, where do you live? I said, well, I'm renting an apartment right now across from Costco. Everybody knows where that is. (laughs) And I said, I just didn't know where I wanted to live in this brand new town. And they said, well, you have three choices. You can be a city bum, a beach bum, or a country bum. You'll figure it out. Is the small town appeal part of it? Because we're in Buckley. Did you grow up in a smaller town? I grew up in an average suburb. It was a street lined with houses. And maybe a 10-minute drive took you to downtown. And maybe a 15-minute drive took you to where the big mall was. So definitely not... A small town and then when I moved from Florida to Durham North Carolina that was definitely a small town but nothing like Traverse City it was still bigger than Traverse City and though you had a lot of plots of pine trees in between spurts of towns in Durham when we moved to Traverse City I was like, wow, this is a small town. I was very excited when the Starbucks opened. Small town and seasonal. So that's been taking some time to get used to, but I've started to like it. We were thinking about buying a house, trying to figure out where we wanted to buy a house. And the idea of Buckley came up because there was so much acreage. And I said, no, we are not moving to Buckley. There's like nothing here. I mean, there's a small town. Right? You drove through it probably when you got here. With a nice blue water tower. That's the town. There's a flashing light. That's downtown. Never, ever thought I would live 
in a city that was that tiny. But I'll tell you, sitting outside on the back patio or on the front porch, and it is this quiet, and you walk and walk and walk, I'm like, okay, I can do this. How do you picture yourself spending the time in the car to get to work? Enjoying my coffee. Definitely audiobooks are just mentally getting ready for the day while I enjoy my coffee. One of my requirements for moving was I couldn't live so far from the school that I would run out of coffee between home and school. <laughs> Talk to me about what the director of a culinary institute does for coffee at home. I brew a French press for Starbucks, yet I also have an espresso machine, and I enjoy my intensity 10, 11, and 12 little Nespresso capsules. Do you find the people you work with are more or less into coffee than an average person? Well, chefs in general. I think, I can't even say just chefs. Food and beverage people. Coffee has always been a motivator for us. You work early hours, long hours, late hours. There's always a coffee machine. There's always coffee brewed somewhere whether it's in a restaurant, in the culinary school, in the banquet area where you're setting up, tearing down. And when you know you still have about two hours left of work, a nice fresh hot cup of coffee will definitely help motivate you. Tell me your first memory of food. Growing up, my mom had the set of Pyrex bowls that nested in each other. And I remember my best friend's mother had it, and another mother had it, and I've seen them in thrift stores. So it was a big thing. The largest bowl was yellow, and the smallest bowl was blue, and there was maybe four bowls in the whole set. And that yellow bowl was used to make a mixed salad. It was used to make cookie dough. It was used to make pancake mix, served popcorn in, I can remember my mom flavoring the ground beef for her famous meatloaf in it. Like that yellow bowl. Until this day, if we're in a thrift store or an antique store or something that has odds and ends, and I see that yellow bowl just randomly on a shelf, that definitely takes me back to some good food memories. My mom would cook these simmered chicken dishes in this large skillet and it would be chicken fricassee or chicken paprigash something that kind of came from her heritage that was comfort food and it was something that would simmer for a good hour and eventually the sauce and the yumminess of the ingredients in the sauce and the chicken would just simmer in that pot and it would be the first thing she would start and the last thing that would come off the stove and all the other things just seemed to be this small orchestrated performance of getting dinner on the table but that big pan was just doing its job. When were you first aware that 
your relationship to food was different than some other people's? I think it was when our local community center was having a kids cooking competition and I was excited about entering it and I had never entered a competition before. I was probably third grade, so that's about eight. I was very excited about entering the competition and I ended up entering two different categories, but we did that. And I think the other moment of excitement would be my mom had this recipe for something called storybook cookie dough, which was basically a sugar cookie dough recipe that you rolled out and used cookie cutters to cut out shapes. And my mom would trace the different characters from golden books and then cut them out out of cardboard. And then we would trace those into the cookie dough with a knife. So we actually had our own cutout shapes. For the cookies and we would make different colored icing and i think i was the only grade school kid on the block that could make we call it a cornet a paper cornet in the bake shop but you basically take a triangle shaped piece of wax paper and you fold it into a cone and you'd put a little icing tip in it so that you could put your icing in it and decorate the cookies I realized between entering the baking contest and making those cookies with my mom and decorating them, it seemed more than just let's make cookies. Like there was some intensity there with some excitement. So that's when I started realizing that I had this connection with baking. For me, it was the process and the enjoyment that it brought somebody when they saw it and when they ate it. And likewise, they would eat something and it would give them a memory. And that was really neat. And my mom was very much like, hey, make whatever mess you want in the kitchen, but you better clean it up. My mom really liked being in the kitchen with me and making things. The kitchen was open territory. We were never told you cannot go in the kitchen. I had a great childhood. It was, it was fairly carefree. You know, I was an average student in high school. I easily could have been an A student, but I, it was not super interesting to me, except for literature. I did like English and British lit. I went to college right out of high school, and I went for tourism because I knew I enjoyed seeing people have a good time. I didn't exactly know what that looked like. Was it travel? Was it entertainment? Was it hospitality, like a hotel? Was it a restaurant? I wasn't really sure. And it just it wasn't doing anything for me. So I dropped college and was working full-time with American Express. It was during that time when I was baking a lot for people at work. Then people started asking me if I would make birthday cakes, cater a party. I started doing a lot more catering. I realized I really enjoyed catering and themes for parties and elegant parties because I also grew up with my parents always having a lot of outdoor parties. And so I realized that as much as I loved my job at American Express, I had this, this nagging feeling inside of me that 
I think I need to go to culinary school. I was very afraid, though, when I started culinary school, would it be the same as regular college? Would it just be average? Would I drop out? And I realized once I went to orientation and got all my books, I started reading my culinary books and highlighting things before school even started. I was still working full-time at American Express and going to school full-time. I couldn't wait to get up in the morning and get to school, cook. I graduated top of my class, and that's when it hit me that I just needed to find what I was passionate about. So after culinary school, I um, had an internship, and where I was working decided to hire me. I knew I wanted to go to school to become a pastry chef, but where I went to school, they didn't have a pastry program. So I went through the entire culinary program. My internship was culinary, and then the restaurant hired me on as culinary and eventually allowed me to do pastry. And then from that moment on, it was like, okay, pastry, this is, this is exactly what I was expecting it to be and more. When you're baking, do you think of yourself as a chemist? Do you think of yourself as an artist? There are definitely times when I play with recipes and tweak this and less of that and let's try to use this ingredient and you're writing things down. So in that respect, you're definitely playing chemist because you're making notes and you're looking at your results and going, okay, I like that, but I didn't like this. So definitely chemist. There's a class I used to teach called European Cakes and Torts. And there would be seven to eight recipes that you had to make in order to m create this a one cake, right? So I see pastries as that intellectual satisfier for me because they're very exacting. You have to have the right technique. You have to be able to look at the product and go, okay, that'll work, that won't. But then you have baking. It's a little more forgiving. You have bread. It's so zen. You know, it's alive on the bench. You mix it with your hands. You feel the dough when it's the right consistency after kneading it. You make scones or cookies, and though it might be a little exacting, it just seems so much more comforting. So there's this intellectual side of the bakery, which I love, and then there's that zen part, which is the baking, and then, yeah, there's the artistry. There's the final plated dessert. There's the beautiful sugar flowers you make, the centerpieces. So, yeah, I guess it's a little bit of everything What's the most satisfying recipe for you to make on your own? Definitely bread. I think because four simple ingredients, flour, yeast, water, salt. Man, you can do so many things with that. And it all depends on how much you have of each one. And you can create a baguette. You can create a soft loaf bread or a crispy, crunchy country loaf. So you get all different shapes and sizes and textures from four simple ingredients. But at the same time, if I was told, you know, you need to make eight very fancy pedophores, that's also exciting because I start looking at, well, what do I have in the bake shop? And what could we use? And do I need to use anything up? Do I have to bake fresh this and all the different steps? And you got to freeze it here and then you got to cut it cold. And there's the extremes. Tell me how you got to Traverse City, Les. I started working with the Art Institutes in 2007, January of 2007. And 
in the year 2013, I think it was 2013, I competed in one chef educator of the southeast region of the country, and then I won chef educator of the nation. So at that point, I started receiving quite a few job offers and speaking engagements across the country. And even my boss, who was not wanting to see me leave his faculty, said, you might start thinking about looking at some of these offers because you know, you've been here almost seven years um, as a faculty member, you develop the pastry program, the pastry department, but I think it's time for you to take the next step. Did it feel like time for you? No, because I never really thought of it as time, like my time to go. So I started venturing into looking at some of these offers, and I ended up accepting an offer to be the culinary director at the Art Institute of Raleigh-Durham in North Carolina. Never thought I would leave Florida. I'm a native. Sold my dream house, went to North Carolina. I was now a director of a school. And during that year, so that was 2014, I was competing for pastry chef of the year. And I won the Southeast regional title. And then I went to compete for the national title. And when you compete at national title, you're competing against four other people from the different regions of the country. And I received third place. And uh, I did that all while I was in North Carolina. And I just loved it. It was a new town. I was now a director. It was funny because when I left teaching to become a director, I was so afraid of losing my students. But it didn't really dawn on me that I wasn't just losing the students, like my class students. I gained every student of the culinary program. So I didn't lose students. I gained a whole lot of students and a faculty. We had a great team and we really made a mark for ourselves on the map at Art Institute of Raleigh-Durham. So long story short, how did I end up in Traverse City? After 13 years of being with the Art Institutes and gaining my degrees and winning national titles, it was time. I started submitting applications. It took me six months to find GLCI and NMC. I swore I wouldn't go any further north than North Carolina because of the cold. <laughs> I absolutely love the position. I like the challenges that have been set before me by the executive committee and by the uh, academic leaders. I really enjoy the team that I work with. We're very diverse in our backgrounds. We have a lot of great ideas. I think going from for-profits, private, to nonprofit community, big difference. So for me, that's been my biggest learning curve. What kind of food do you miss from Florida? or the Carolinas? Has your diet changed as your geography has changed? It has. Okay, so in Florida, we have a lot of a, what's called Floribian cuisine. It's very tropical, Caribbean. It's very easy to just find it in the restaurants. Larger variety of fresh seafood and shellfish. 
Good key lime pie. Hard to find that here. I don't think I've seen a key lime pie yet here. So, so yeah, that's, that's definitely a miss since I've left Florida. In North Carolina, I learned a lot about barbecue because Durham is right in the middle of the state. The state is divided east and west barbecue. You've got vinegar-based, and then you got tomato-based. And then you got somewhere in the middle where it's a little mix of both. Where do you fall on that spectrum? You're making barbecue for yourself and yourself only. For myself only? I'm going to probably be vinegar-based. Now, at the same time, my family's more casey, more of that brown sugar, um, little, little molasses. I do like mustard base. You know, barbecue is so regional. And, if, and also, if it was just me, I could probably go all the way to Texas and go straight up beef and straight up black pepper and salt. Okay, you are given a one-year fully paid sabbatical to study anywhere in the world a specific cuisine. Middle Eastern, all the way. And that's a large region because it's a lot of different smaller countries. But I would definitely go all through the Mediterranean cuisine, Middle Eastern cuisine, all through that area, follow the Spice Coast around northern Africa and all the way through the islands. So now that's the opposite end of the Spice Coast, but definitely Middle Eastern cuisine. What does a person outside of the culinary world not understand about a life in the culinary world? The amount of passion that goes into what we do Food is something we all need. Everybody needs it, no matter the age. There's a lot of people who just eat because they need to. And they don't think about it. People who are not in the culinary world, I don't believe they understand how hard it is to be in the culinary world. It's a hard industry. But I love it. It's a thrill to sit in on some of the Zoom class meetings that my instructors have with their students. Just because I get to see everybody's faces and I get to hear their voices, I really do miss being amongst my faculty and my students. It's, uh, it's a phenomenal charge. Well, Les Eckert, this has been such a treat to talk with you, get to know a little bit more about your story. I can't wait to get into your knife skills class. Oh, yeah. I have an inside track. I work in extended ed, so I knew you were teaching two of those this past year. Mm -hmm. And it still filled up before I could do it. <laughs> I know. We had such a great lineup this past spring, too. You know, our winter lineup was great. Tuscan date night, that was fabulous. And then we had a couple of good classes lined up for the spring, so hopefully we'll, we'll bring them back. We'll be back at some point, and we'll all be hungry. Yes, we will all be hungry. Thanks, Les. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my driveway. I don't know if you caught that, but Les is still searching for a great key lime pie in northern Michigan. I will be accepting donations on her behalf. You can simply drop your pies off with me, and I will be sure to get them to less. 
So, Driveway Nation, what have you been eating recently? Has your diet changed as you've been stuck at home? Any new recipes, or are you just bringing out all the hits? Let us know what you've been eating. You can leave us a voice memo. The link is in the episode notes, right next to a link for pictures of the vintage Pyrex bowls Les was talking about from her childhood. Our theme music is provided by Sweet Wave Audio. For custom music, visit sweetwaveaudio.co.uk. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever your social media preference, make it a verb and do it to us, NMC Driveways. This podcast is a production of NMC Extended Education. Thanks for listening. I'm John Plow from before. You know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time.